Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels more important than ever before, but all in all, always an important topic. We got my good friend and business partner in the Whale Club here, Mr. Paul Sparks, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. Now, we do this show because a wise man once asked a question. If you look at the last three years of your business and broke it down by months and turned all the negative months into zeros, what would happen to your bottom line? And that wise man is our business partner, Dan Nicholson. And we're here to help you achieve financial certainty through real estate by rigging the game in your favor. Now, I'm also on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information here on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you take consistent action, you will become one. And if you get value out of the show, please share this episode right now and subscribe. That way we can all grow together. Now, as we speak, it might sound a little off, might sound like we're talking a totally different language. That's okay. It might cause some confusion. Keep the loop open. I promise you it will all make sense later on. Uh, and, you know, as you're listening, please write your live take, write your takeaways in the live chat. And I highly recommend putting your six-word updates in the comment section below. Now, today's show is the first three steps to building your business treasury. But before we get into that, Paul, what's your six-word update? Headed to Seattle for certainty graduation. So oh, uh, that's awesome. as you mentioned, yeah, so I'm going to Seattle this weekend and uh, hanging out with Nick and Dan. We talk all the time about the certainty certified advisor program. That's pretty much where I learned a lot of this stuff, mm -hmm. um, where Dan taught me a lot of this. And uh, people are graduating this weekend. I'm going to be giving a presentation. It's going to be really good. So I'm excited to go get around. Um, other entrepreneurs and lots of other domains outside of real estate, all taking these certainty principles and applying it there. So I'm pumped. That's awesome. Uh, for me, my six word update, commit to execution, commit to excellence. You know, we just had a quarterly strategic meeting and that is the big message uh, for this quarter. I mean, we already said execution was a word of the year, but we're still falling a little bit short. Got a chance to pick the brain of a guy that's doing a thousand plus wholesale deals a month. Hear how he runs his meetings. We're modifying how we're running our meetings. Maybe we're not playing our game or we're going to get a lot better at playing our game. We'll find out. Uh, so, you know, talking about first three steps to building a business treasury, but what's the problem? Why, like, why, why are we doing this? Well, We've been talking about in the last few weeks about the business treasury and this idea that for a long time, I would just say like the last really 10 years from 2000, let's say 13 to 2022, we had the winds at our back, right? Like so pretty good. It was, it was fairly, um, let's just say less difficult to build a profitable business in that time than it was in a lot of other times. And the winds are shifting. We're no longer having this wind at our back. It's swirling all around us. We're getting, you know, headwinds and sidewinds and all sorts of stuff, right? A and lot of excessive this, rain. Yeah, it's all, I mean, you you probably have talked about this all week in your, you know, your meetings, right? Of what's, what's going on in the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, there's this adjustment we need to make, right? Especially every time it feels like um, things are normalizing, mm -hmm. right? Because we had that craziness with the Fed rate hike, but it's like, oh, okay, things are things are starting to get back to normal, and then there's bank failure, another bank failure, and another bank failure. It's like, okay, all right, 
But now, now it's now it's normal. And in this past week, we found out about the new loan programs, which penalizes qualified buyers. Okay, like <laughs> just the winds are constantly shifting, and we're not paying attention. If we're not clear. We can get caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I do think that I like your six word update: commit to excellence, commit, uh, commit to execution, commit to excellence. There, there is a certain aspect here of we have to be operationally excellent at this point. You just oh, yeah. don't have much choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not just going to get these lucky, you know, situations like we did before. It's just there's too many factors at play that are sort of um, playing. Not let's just say not in our favor. And part of, I think a lot of the bad habits that we accumulated for all this time was that we could just rely on our operating business. In our case, it's wholesaling, flipping, you know, doing developments, buying rentals, whatever that was. And we, we could count on the revenue from those sources to carry us through. But what we're seeing now is like, it's becoming more and more difficult to stay profitable. So when I think about what the business treasury is designed to do for business owners like ourselves is to provide just a backup plan in a lot of ways, I, you know, redundancy for your business, just like these fortune 500 companies. We talked about United airlines on one of these uh, last couple of shows. And we gave this example of they would not have been able to survive COVID had it not been for their, their treasury department. Right. Because of course, when airlines, uh, when people stopped flying for COVID, they got crushed. Mm-hmm. But because they had this treasury to fall back on, they could survive that time. That is what we're talking about inside of our businesses. And a lot of us are saying to ourselves right now, we're asking like, am I going to be okay? It's this if-based question. You know, if I'm going to be okay, what we want to do is help introduce this concept of the business treasury, give you guys today three actionable items so you can shift from if to when. Mm-hmm. When you can have this built in, this this business treasury built to have redundancy for your business so that you can thrive in any market and not have to worry about whether you're going to be okay financially. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talk about financial certainty. The inverse of that is the uncertainty Right, and what produces that uncertainty is this anxiety, and this uh, powerlessness, or this feeling of helplessness. And so, when we're talking about certainty, we're trying to remove the anxiety and the, any sense of, 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 I believe, powerlessness. Right, that you can't control it. So it's not if we can do this. We're giving you the certainty of when you'll be able to do this. Exactly. When will you get there? Um, and and I you know I think that's a great point. We we got this in the certainty program and inside the whale club. We talk about this uh, equation. It says anxiety equals uncertainty times powerlessness. That's just a bunch of words. It always kind of makes me laugh when people give things like that. Let's mm-hmm. break that down real quick, right? You're you know you could you can use you could say financial anxiety. So am I going to be okay financially? You know, you're probably, you might have asked yourself that at least once in business. If you're an entrepreneur, I'm sure that you probably asked yourself that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether or not you're going to have, you know, anxiety in your finances is dependent on two variables, two factors. One is uncertainty. Do you have the right tools 
do you know how to make the right decisions? Um, you know, this is the certainty operating system for us. Sure. This is the, the rules that govern our decision making. And so if we can drive that certainty up and we can increase the amount of certainty that we have because we're making consistent decisions, we're accounting for our biases, we've got this toolbox that we can use to navigate um, all the things that come at us in business. Yep. You probably were just using a lot of it in your, uh, your meetings with your, with your team there. But then there's this other factor, powerlessness, which is like, but what, so what do I do? What's the tool that's going to get me there? Mm -hmm. And the business treasury serves to bring a ton of power and gives you the tool to actually weather these financially, let's just say turbulent times. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to a lot of the principles we talk about with anti-fragile, right? Like that powerlessness occurs when you're fragile. Mm. But exactly. we've got the reliable side of the barbell, and we've got the asymmetric upside on the barbell. It doesn't matter what's going on. We've got power versus the feeling of powerlessness because we bet it all on one thing, and that didn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you might be betting it all on your business right now. Mm -hmm. You might be betting it all. All the chips are in the middle of the table. Yeah. And if there's one thing that I love about going to the collective genius events because you and i are both members of this and we have been for years yeah well one of the things that jason medley always says i love this is he says making money is a skill keeping money is a discipline mm -hmm. wise words from a man who's been around quite some time right well, who's He's lost seen... all his chips before well that's right and when you have all your chips in the middle and you're trying to scale at all costs and every dollar you're making is going back into the business, you are fragile. And without a backup plan, we're basically saying the same thing of what Jason's saying. Take chips off the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, he says it, and it's, it's, you know, you and I were talking about on Sunday, right? Like, I, I got the best of the belt. We, we showed it off in one of the episodes, right, for talking about the solvable problem. And afterwards, I was talking to Jason, like, I basically said the same thing you say all the time. I just said it in a way that resonated in the room today. Right. Right. You're well, the father. Like, no one listens to the father. Right. But Steve says it's a little bit different. That's right. Well, you know, you give that example all the time where you, you, you are a sales trainer, like a nationally recognized sales trainer, yeah. but it's tough to even get your team sometimes to take everything you say seriously. It's nice. It's, it's helpful to bring outside uh, people in to bring a different language to help. Um, uh, I don't know. What is uh, Dan always says? Um, what does he say? Familiarity breeds contempt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the law of familiarity is what we call it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we have this. We have this equation. So first off, is the problem is we want to we want to get out of this. If I'm going to be okay, because if you are taking every dollar you make and investing it back into the business, you probably are living in that if mode. Right. And of course, part of the reason why the solvable problem is such a powerful concept is because we all got into business for a certain reason. But oftentimes when you start barreling in and your head is down and you're you know, focused on kind of like what's in front of you, you lose track of why we got into business in the first place. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting that everybody got into business so that they could make enough money to sit on the beach all day and do nothing. A lot of people are very interested in 
leading teams, making an impact in their community, um, helping people grow and build wealth. I mean, one of your missions that you always say is to help 100 billionaires. Exactly right. Uh, And so I all for that. Let's make a massive impact. But in order to make a massive impact, first, you got to have clarity on what you're actually trying to accomplish, because uh, the anxiety, I think, all often comes from just not knowing what we're actually trying to get closer to. You're just solving for more. And because of that, you have a ton of uncertainty. And because of uh, because of the uh, as well, in addition to solving for uncertainty, you have no idea exactly what's going to get you there. Yeah. Well, and then the solving for more, you don't generally take chips off the table because you get to maximize more versus optimize the existing situation. That's right. Because you're, you're exactly right. You're just pouring every dollar back into your business because I want to do more deals. Yeah. Um, so that's, a you know, I think there's a lot of people who run businesses that way. And if you're feeling a little bit of anxiety inside of your finances, this is probably a good episode to tune into because we're going to tell you three steps you can take to start building your business treasury. Um, should we get started? Yeah, what's well, step one? Great. So I'm assuming that you guys have already listened to the last two episodes and uh, – and you've heard what we had to say there, because I'm assuming that you have your solvable problem number. And if you don't have that, go back and listen to, we've done countless episodes on the solvable problem. You can sort of listen to that. Actually, we're starting in a few weeks here, our next group of whales who are going to come in. We take people through six to eight weeks of pulling apart every aspect of their life, really, to get clear on the solvable problem, Mm -hmm. write it down, share it with other people, get comfortable talking about it, right? Because again, we want to have a target to aim towards. So I'm assuming that you have your solvable problem and you know your numbers, right? What what number do I need to get to and what percentage do I need to get there? Fair enough? Absolutely. Okay. So assuming you have that, step one is establish what we call the base case, right? Um, you and I, we've done a bunch of stuff in crypto and we were talking about crypto last year when we were learning how to use some of those tools. And um, we described our base case in crypto as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that we've publicly talked as much about how that applies in real estate. Sure. And so when, when I think of the base case for real estate, it's where can, am I going to reliably put my um, capital, basically, what am I downshifting into? Another way of saying this is what we say macro beliefs. We talk about in the, in the whale club all the time. Like, what is your macro belief? Again, for a lot of us, that's real estate. Right. Um, so we can, we'll just talk in terms of the, of the real estate base case. There's yeah. other places you could put your money. But so as we're, about- as we're making profits and we're taking distributions, we have to put it somewhere. And that somewhere is your base case because why – until you've figured out and maximized your reliability, it doesn't make sense to put the money elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, so give me a few examples, because obviously you interview some of the top investors, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the real estate space. What are some of the most common base cases that you see in the real estate world? Well, I mean, I think there's two. Uh, one is 
parking and real estate, which I think is a really good place to put it, especially if you have a if you're in real estate, you have a macro belief in real estate. That's that's the first one, and that's the most common one. Second one, from what I see, is investing as a lender, right? Uh, particularly if you've got a bunch of money in your um, uh, self-directed IRA, right? Or if you're in some other vehicle, investment vehicle, where all the profits are tax-free, private money lending is super lucrative. I mean, if you're making two points and 12%, you are not paying any taxes on it, that's a pretty good base case. Pretty hard to beat, right? So I typically see uh, either buying more real estate or investing as a private money lender. Sure. Those are great. I, I agree. Um, and just to add a little bit of nuance to that, you might have uh, a base case. One of the one of the whales in our community, Pete, and we've had Pete on this show. Mm-hmm. He runs a single family rental fund yep. based out of Augusta, Georgia. I mean, Pete knows that market better than most, I would say, but certainly as a real estate investor, really understands it very well. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even niching down, right? Like buying single family rental properties in Augusta, Georgia is his base case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of someone, another example you might think of is uh, someone like Jimmy Vreeland. You have him all the time on your part in the disruption show. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy has a base case. Like you, you could spot that from a mile away. Yeah, you single know? family, you know, St. Louis. Single family, St. Louis. That's it. And all, every dime of his, you know, profit is going into that now of course eventually he's diversified that's you know further we're talking about the first three steps yeah right but steps seven eight nine ten yeah but first is optimize and and maximize base case exactly um so what is that is that single family rentals for you for some people it could be uh short-term rentals um i know a lot of people who run very reliable short-term rental businesses. Now, of course, all these base cases, you might have multifamily. Maybe it's self-storage. Maybe you've got some sort of uh, critical, let's just say advantage, and you found some niche and that's your profitable niche and you know it really well. Fantastic. Well, the other thing you got to consider is that all of these different places all carry a little bit of risk, right? Your base case in a single family rental portfolio in St. Louis might look different than a short-term rental portfolio in Miami or something like this, right? Again, it's not saying one's better than the other. It's just that you got to evaluate your level of risk tolerance when you're considering where to put your money into your base case. Uh, But what I think about when I think about base cases, we need to know with a high degree of reliability, what kind of return can we get putting our money there? Because if we, you know, I'm just going to use some random numbers, let's say, and I don't have my calculator and I'm going to not do this math correct, but let's just say you're starting with a hundred thousand dollars. And in 10 years, you want to get to $10 million. Let's just say, well, 10%, 12% return, putting it as a, you know, private lender, it probably won't get you there, which means choosing private lending as your base case is probably not the correct place to do that. Why? Because you're almost guaranteeing that you don't get what you want in a time frame that's appropriate. Right. So we have to pick the right base case based on our timelines, our personal preferences, 
um, and our risk tolerance. That's kind of how I think of where to, where to, how to pick your base case. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a big deal. Right. And one thing I just want to kind of insert here is one thing that you and I are hoping to change the language in our industry as we bring the whale club to the masses uncertainty talks to the masses is we're going to stop calling it passive income. We're going to call it reliable income. Yeah. Right. We're going to turn real estate into reliable income, not just passive income. Yeah, because I think that's just a misleading statement as you know, somebody <laughs> coined that phrase and they're like, you know, that was probably Robert Kiyosaki that coined that. Maybe yeah, it it's the biggest, that. it's the biggest misconception. We buy properties all the time from tired landlords because it was not passive income. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it can. It, it, I just think of it as more as, um, to your point, reliable. Where can we get a reliable rate of return? Now, there's going to be some places where you could get a 10% return and spend one hour a month. There's other places where you could spend a, you know, get a 25% return and have to spend, you know, 40 hours a month. And you might say, well, at this point in my life, I'm willing to accept that trade-off. Right. We, again, we're going to go through and we do this with the whales. We do this over the course of, you know, six to eight weeks, like I was saying, and we break apart all of these different functions, you know, these tools inside of the solvable problem. So we're simplifying it. And if you want to learn more about how to go deeper in all this, we take, we take our whales through that. Yeah. Um, but okay. say so assuming you've got your solvable problem and you know, let's say you need 20% return every single year based on where you're starting to get where you're trying to go. And you choose an appropriate base case. Again, if you watched last uh, week's episode, we talked about the 23% return that I'm getting in my rental properties. Um, of course, that's taking into account all of the different wealth drivers and things like this. But again, if I knew I needed 20% and I was getting 23%, I would consistently be getting closer to where I needed to go. Mm -hmm. So I've got my base case established. That's step one. Step two is what we call um, doing an archaeological dig. And, uh, you know, some people have different ways to phrase this. I don't know why I like that phrase. Dan's used it before. But what I mean is you gotta, you've got to do a um, look into the past and figure out where are you spending your money? Um, because if you know that you need to add $1,000 a month to your business treasury every single month at a 23% return to get to your solvable problem, uh, do you have that cash to be able to actually add? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you default to more. How do I do more deals and make more money? But the first thing we want to do is do an archaeological dig. This is when we use the framework case. This is the collect phase. This is the phase that a lot of people just aren't willing to do because it comes back to our uh, biases and how uncomfortable it is dealing with the financial anxiety that oftentimes it just cripples us. And we're just like, I would rather just go back and make more money than, than worry about doing this. Yeah. Collecting data sucks. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we even had this, uh, in our quarterly meeting, like, well, we're, we're thinking about doing this. Like, okay, but where's the data? We haven't gotten the data. Why not? There's a lot of work. Like, well, because we I prefer to speculate. <laughs> then we can't make a decision. Yeah. So this is, a, this is like saying collect the data. You know, we call it an archaeological dig. It means like it's going to be painful. You're going to have to like dig back into all your finances and pull the numbers out, figure out what you're spending your money on, 
get your finances in order. Yeah. You know, big sigh. It's like, yeah, I, I realize that's a big step. Trust mm -hmm. me. I understand that. Yeah, you, you want to you wanna do it bright and early, have a cup of joe, maybe, an, maybe a monster, whatever. Clear any distractions and start collecting data. Yeah. And what you're looking for are, you know, leaks in your bucket, first of all. Because we showed last, ep uh, last episode that if you're operating at a 20% profit margin, it's the equivalent of saving $10,000 is the same as making an additional 50 every exactly. single month. And so again, I have a, I'm fortunate to be able to peer inside a lot of real estate investors businesses. A lot of us have very similar businesses. We're running at about 30 to $50,000 a month in overhead. We're doing you know, so that's 480K a year. Let's call it half a million dollars a year. And you're either between half a million and a million dollars in profit. And some of us are less than that. Mm -hmm. um, again, we're all just pouring every dollar back in and justifying it and saying, yeah, but I just want to scale. Also culture. Do more. Which again, I'm not saying it's bad to build a big business. All I'm suggesting is before you start scaling, why don't we plug the buckets up? We have an entire section of the certainty operating system for growth and how to grow a business appropriately. Mm -hmm. Um, but the first thing is you got to find the holes in, the, in your bucket and just identify them, right? Step two is just about where are these holes in our bucket? Yep. Um, and I look at it in terms of, because, because if we know that we need to get 20%, 20, 20% to hit our numbers, and we know that in rentals, we can get 23%. But meanwhile, we're taking all these bets in our business where we're getting less than 23%. Well, we want to identify as many of those areas as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, if we're doing things that aren't yielding a 23% or 20% yield, all right, we're, we're doing things that aren't bringing back at least 20% return. We should stop doing it if our solvable problem is 20% uh, is a year growth. Sure. Um. That sounds obvious, right? It sounds so obvious when you say it out loud. Well, yeah, um, after we say it, after we hear it, right? Because it was completely blind to us. And then someone else pointed out, I was like, oh, yeah, mathematically, that makes 100% sense. But here's the problem is we named the puppy mm -hmm. with so many things. So there's two concepts I want to sort of like marry together here. One is naming the puppy, which we've talked about many times. The idea being, you thought this was a really great idea. There was a point in time where you made this decision and you were like, I'm going to hire that person. They're going to be great. Mm -hmm. Or we're going to do this marketing channel. It's going to be great. I'm going to pay for this thing that's going to, quote, help me in my business. Um, and then things happen, right? Life unfolds. And six months later, things have changed. You're not in the same terrain that you were before the landscape has changed. And I don't know if it was on this show, it was recently we were talking about, or if this was on the whale call, we were talking about uh, the, the, the term entropy. Mm -hmm. So entropy is this idea that like over time things break down. 
they don't move from uh, complicated to less complicated or, um, you know, order or disorder to order. Things move from order to disorder. So what happens is in your business over time, you're, you're just naturally going to create disorder. Things, the decisions that you made that you now like can't get off of because you said it was a good idea and mm -hmm. you don't want to let it go. That is typically where the majority of the savings of this um, archaeological dig focuses on. Yeah, right? no, like, I definitely feel that, right? Like, no, but we said we we're going to do this. We don't want to give this up. Like, to give this up would be to admit failure. It's uh, the best example, actually, I, I can think of is, is personally. The reason why gyms do so well is because people are going to go to the gym. And to give up that gym membership is to admit defeat. I'm not going to the gym, but you've named that puppy. This is the year I'm going to get in shape. And it's hard to give it up. So hard because we've gotten so attached to what we think, you know, or thought was a good idea. And then it becomes really difficult to um, give that puppy back because, you know, we took it home with us already. Uh, that's why we talk about the investor frame. So knowing what I know now, would I choose to hire this person again? Knowing what I know now, would I do um, marketing the way that I was, you know, I'm doing it or insert whatever that thing is for you. Um, but recognize that like, you, you got to do a, a little bit of spring cleaning every single year inside mm -hmm. of your business because things move from a state of order to disorder. And you're going to collect and, you know, accumulate all of these little tiny little obligations that you're paying for that you got to maintain and over time you got to recognize that first of all you need to do some spring cleaning but you're probably attached to some ideas that aren't serving you that you can you know identify i mean not just serving you but you've identified this as part of your brand or reputation mm. yeah well i have to have this because what <laughs> yeah exactly what's everyone gonna um, say what are they gonna say you know, and, and I hate to say it like, but like masterminds, for example, I'm such a sucker for masterminds. Like I love, because I love relationships because that's one of my number one currencies. That's what I get out of it most of the time, but I've got to be very careful that I don't spend all my money traveling around the country to hang out with other real estate investors. Yeah. Cause I've, I've spent a lot of money to do that. And oftentimes just recapturing some of that. Right. Um, so point is, do the archaeological dig. Go back through your business and find these areas where you may have named the puppy, areas where um, you thought it was a really good idea at one point in time, but it's really no longer serving you. And it's not bringing you what you need in terms of a return to get to your uh, solvable problem. Yeah. Before you move on to the third one, guys, um, Paul and I are going to be doing a behind-the-scenes look on like right now we're talking about ideas but paul and i actually work on our business right believe it or not so if you guys want to have a look look over the shoulder right behind the scenes what paul and i are doing go to whaleclubbts.com bts is behind the scenes whaleclubbts.com we're gonna do a behind the scenes look you can kind of see what we do to actually operate the whale club additionally uh we got another group starting um and we already have out of the 15 whales that we're, we have available we already sold three which is awesome because we didn't even launch this yet officially we just kind of like hey this is what we're going to do and we got <laughs> uh three signed up so 
Uh, if you guys are interested in joining the next group for the Whale Club, where we go over the solvable problem in great depth for you and your life, uh, join the join the waitlist. We do have it in uh, on our YouTube descriptions here. So, what's number three, Paul? Well, <clears throat> number three is recapture and reallocate. Um, and the main point I want to make here is like resources are scarce. We're just we're small business owners, you know, like we don't have unlimited resources. So really what this is about is not when we say closer versus more. What we're saying is if, if we can get better at using the resources that we already have at our disposal to get closer, we don't actually need to do any more. We just need to get better. Another way of saying that is raise the floor. If you've got, um, uh, there's a there's a, a close friend of mine, Tyler Vinsand. He made this post the other day, and I was I was like, that is spot on. I really like this. He posted on Facebook and was talking about um, recognizing in your marketing that you know it, well. Another way of saying this is anything times uh, multiplied by zero is zero. Mm -hmm. So talk about system reliability. The number of components that you have in the system. If you've got one component that's highly unreliable. So you're doing marketing, but you're not picking up the phone when the phone rings. You've got great closers. You've got great drip systems. You've got you know great contracts, and you can dispo and yada 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 yada. But no one's picking up the phone. Well, <laughs> that might be the place to start, and that's a great example of recapturing and reallocating resources. You're finding the low spots, and we're gonna like we're gonna improve those. Not focus on how do we write more offers necessarily but how do we raise the floor in all these different areas that's what we need to do inside of our business yeah that's the optimization component we talk about optimize before we maximize before scaling we're not saying don't scale but before you scale you better make sure make sure all your buckets uh we've plugged up all the leaks uh and another way you know in in, in our conversation the way i'm thinking about this is you just need to be a better steward of your capital just better steward of your yeah. resources right like don't squander the resources which i have been guilty of many times in my my career, but definitely a lot less, a lot less uh, uh, sloppy with, yeah. with, with allocating that's resources. Source. That's a source for me. I, it wasn't that I wasn't making money. <clears throat> it's just that I was wasting all the money that I was spending and, and not like saying everything I bought or invested in didn't get me a return, but it really should be looked through the lens of how do I hold every single dollar accountable? Because if you're spending money in certain areas of your business, um, this might be getting a little too deep. One of the things, and again, this is sort of behind the scenes, what we do for whales, but we have people, this could be number four, um, <laughs> but take taking all of your vendors inside of your business, listing them out, and then make a little column next to it where it's core expense and non-core expense. So will your business run without... DocuSign. Will your business run without um, uh, a phone system to be able to take inbound calls and make outbound calls? Um, so if you can take all your vendors and list them out, and if you're in QuickBooks, that should be a very simple report to run. Mm -hmm. You can pull or you just write them all down. Go through your bank statement, write all the vendors down. How much are you spending per month? You can even leave that out if you want. But just make a little column that says, is this, is this a core expense or a non-core expense? Yeah. If it's non-core, it's an investment. 
So when we say recapture and reallocate, what we're saying is plug the leaks in your bucket. Find the areas where you're in, you made an investment and stop the loss, right? Be a good investor and a good steward of your scarce resources and stop spending money on things that aren't getting you the return that you need in order to hit your solvable problem. Recapture those and then go reallocate them to the things inside your business that are working. Yeah, and that was uh, one of our issues for a quarterly meeting. And so we're going to be doing that in the next week or two. We're actually going to go and identify every single expense. Identify as core, non-core, and then the ROI. It's going to be a fun, mm-hmm. fun exercise. Oh, boy. It'll be worth it. Oh, for sure. Um, It'll be worth it. Dan has an issue processor. If you've read Rigging the Game in his book, he says, um, don't water the weeds. That's what we're doing inside of our business is we're not taking the time. We talked about entropy. What that means is weeds are going to grow inside of your, your business garden. And you've got to go in and pull those weeds out because you're spraying money, which is the water across everything. And the weeds are eating all the resources up. Yep. And they might've been a good idea at one point, but you got to make a decision or you reevaluate if it's still a good decision. Yeah, and good idea relative to what? You tell me, if you've got something that's given you a 5x, 6x return, and another thing that's given you a 2x return, and another thing that's given you half an x return, <laughs> it's like, well, it makes so much sense when you say this out loud, but again, we don't take the time to slow down, get clear on what we want, and identify the weeds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know this to be true because I've avoided it. I avoided it for so long. Um, and of course, my financial anxiety was extremely high because I was always asking myself if I was going to be okay. Yeah. But another question too, another way I've asked it was like, I know I'm making a lot of freaking money, but where the hell is it? Yeah. Real estate investors have a really like unique business model that I don't think a lot of other investors have to deal with. We have, you know, fix and flips, wholesale, novation, creative finance, developments, um, rental property income. A lot of us have little ancillary construction businesses and property management businesses and things like this. And man, is that tough to keep track of where the money is and at at what time, you know, is it coming in? Is it going out? Um, So yeah, very tough to do that. But those are the first three steps when we think about the business treasury. Ideally, we're shifting from if to when inside of our business. That's what these tools are designed to do is we're going to put this into an actionable plan so that we can go execute on it. Collect, analyze, strategize, execute. That's the case framework that we talk about all the time. So we want to shift from if to when. And assuming you have your solvable problem number, If you don't, go back and kind of watch some of the other videos. A lot of this stuff, you can put this together on your own if you really take the time to dive in, of course, or you can join us in this Mm -hmm. most recent group of whales, and we'll walk you through the whole process. We have a very documented, uh, proven process to do this. So first is establish your base case. Comes down down to your macro beliefs and where are you going to park your money long term? What's going to be the vehicle that's going to get you where you're going? And let's optimize for that. Number one. Number two is do an archaeological dig. 
at a certain point, you got to take the time to dig this stuff up. It's uncomfortable. It's going to be very uncomfortable. Didn't say this was easy. But anything you got to do that. Anything worth doing is going to be difficult. Yeah, exactly. So establish your base case. Do the archaeological dig inside of your business. And then number three is plug the holes in your bucket slash never water the weeds slash recapture and reallocate. These are all saying the same exact thing. means find the areas in your business where you've got non-core expenses that you're making investments that aren't doing as well or they're underperforming relative to the other investments that you're making. And where can we just recapture those and reallocate them to something that is working? Yep. So again, guys, if you want to see what Paul and I are talking about behind the scenes, whaleclubbts.com. If you want to see about potentially joining the other 15 whales, three of them are already gone. Uh, you can click, fill out the form on our YouTube channel or uh, go to realestatecertainty.com. The form is there as well. And maybe we can get, we can get you guys in. Yeah, there's a lot of information that we just updated. I'll be honest, like Steve and I have been building this, you know, whale club business for the last year and I have not spent much time on marketing at all. You know, um, I just have it because it's all been word of mouth and referral. And that's how we've been um, building this. It's business. worked well to this point. And it has, and it's, and it's still working very well. Uh, we just started realizing that I was like, oh yeah, you know, I should probably tell people a little bit about like what it costs, what they get for doing all this and joining. Um, so if you're, if you're still like wondering, what do I get for joining whale club? What am I going to, um, you know, what, what am I paying for? What does the group look like? What does the access look like? Go to realestatecertainty.com. You can, you can click around there. We've updated all that with pricing and what all that looks like. So go check that out if you guys want to learn more about it. And um, if you are interested in, in taking that next step, you can put your name on the wait list that's there. Someone on our team will follow up. We'll reach out try to understand a little bit better about what you're trying to get more certainty in inside of your life and business and see whether we can help you. Um, the next step after that would be to go ahead and enroll. We do only have a certain number of spots. We don't do this for as many people that want to join. We have a very, um, we kind of bring people in, in groups. So you're going to get to know this group really, really well, the problems and challenges that they're going through um, and learn how to apply that stuff inside of your own business. Absolutely. So again, realestatecertainty.com. Do the behind the scenes look, whaleclubbts.com. You'll opt in. At that point, we will send you the next time we go do some work and you want to look over our shoulder. So behind the scenes look. So perfect. Good luck out there. Good luck in your presentation. Looking forward to hear great things about it. Yeah, appreciate that. All right. I'll see you guys all next week. Bye, everyone.